You're listening to Fucks Given, the one about how to become a dominatrix. Hello. Hello. That was an accidental Dom voice as well. I was just like, hello, welcome to my space, sub. <laughs> is that your Dom voice? Like when you're, no, when you're doing no. sessions? What is your Dom voice, please? Depends on what I'm doing. Foot worship session would be like, Mine's like really cheeky and like kind of like sensual. So it's just like, oh, you fucking love that, don't you? Yeah, that's it. Open your mouth. Take my foot. Good boy. That's that's my dumb voice. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. It's like quite patronizing and like Yeah, it's really patronizing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's how I want to be talked to when I'm being dominated. I want like that. I want to be talked to. Like like a like a teacher like when a teacher talks to it's basically the bullying king like what can I fucking yeah, say yeah it is it is the fucking bullying king it's like yeah. Draco fucking Malfoy it literally is Potter <laughs> Potter <laughs> what are you doing Potter what are we talking about how are you Florence fuck I don't know um. This morning I cried at the kettle when I was boiling oh. water. I don't even know why. My period's just about to drop and I'm emotional today. I'm sad. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even have any reason to be. It's like, life's okay, you know? Yeah, I I did the same. I cried today. I was listening to music and I like cried, but it wasn't wasn't a sad cry. I think it was like a happy cry, but it was like an emotional happy cry. It wasn't like, yeah, it was a lot of like nice emotions i've been crying a lot recently i cried at the tv the other day because like um there was a a gay proposal and i was like (gasps) like like (laughs) fucking sobbing on my own honestly anytime two men propose uh like i am i am wet in my eyeballs not in my lips you know but yeah it's cancer season which means that we're in a water element everything's getting a little bit emotional if it's water could that also mean like for horniness and pleasure and wetness? I'm sure you could see it that way, but I'm like the opposite of horny right now. Like if we're going to talk about sex stuff, I don't give a shit about sex right now. Whoa, big words. Big words from an emotional gal right now. What's going on, Florence? Let's break this down. I'm just not horny and I'm like, I'm like th- even thinking like if I get into a relationship, maybe I just want it to be monogamous. Like mm. I'm just like so like in that place right now. Yeah, just not into sex. But I'm also like, is it being in your thirties? Is it growing mm. older? Is it maturity? Is it because I don't need sex for like any a particular thing like validation connection I, i'm like happy without it oh god yeah it could be a number of different reasons it literally could be as simple as like hormones to do with period i can't imagine it's anything to do with age because we're supposed to hit our sexual peak at like 36 generally speaking although i have heard I think I saw it um, on Sex with Emily's Instagram. There's a sex recession going on right now. Oh, that's fascinating. But why? Like, like, tell me more. I need to investigate for next episode yeah. because I, I don't know why we're in a sex re- recession. If I was to spitball, I would be like, we've just been through like a really traumatic event and 
we're finding it hard to connect with people after being in the pandemic where we were so separated from each other that's what I would say plus our economies are all failing like everyone's like really struggling financially and all of we all know that stress doesn't make you feel like having sex if you're depressed or you're stressed like that isn't a combination for being horny Definitely not. But it can go the opposite way. You can use sex as escapism and then it makes you think that you want sex or you want pleasure or masturbation because then you want those like few moments of of like a release or not thinking about the shit that you're going through. But funnily enough, I'm, I'm in a weird similar position. Like I'm not really obsessively masturbating. Sorry, curious fuckers. Nothing exciting to report then. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> We're not we're not wanking or fucking right now. Oh, I did want to before we get our guest on, which is about we got an amazing episode coming out. We're talking to Mistress Adrena about how to become a dominatrix, and we'll be talking yes. about financial domination and how like the ethics behind all of that. Like, I am really yeah. excited, but I just wanted to apologize to the curious fuckers for something. Oh shit, it's getting real right now. I fucked up on an ad that i put in oh oh, we're coming clean about that okay all right (laughs) let's buckle up (laughs) we moved our podcast onto a new platform recently and they told me that before i moved the podcast over that i need to turn off the adverts because otherwise all the adverts that are in previously will get burnt into every single episode ever and then when we moved over I wasn't reminded of it. And obviously I forget everything. Um, So I did not do that. But not only did I burn adverts into the whole back catalogue of Fucks Given, which is 234 episodes. I burnt in a mistake that I had uploaded thinking it was an advert. And it was actually just me and Reed recording some extra lines for our Better Help advert. And it starts off, you probably have heard it. <laughs> That's and so then there's silence. There's like a pause. And then suddenly you're like, this is a better help advert or something like that. And then you repeat yeah. it. <laughs> and then there's a pause oh and then I God. say it like. And I'm so embarrassed. But anyway, yeah, I just thought I'd come clean about that. It's quite jokes, to be fair. It is. It is quite jokes. Yeah, apart from the overtime. That's the unpaid overtime. You've got to laugh. <laughs> um, I do have an update. Just a real, real schmal one. I decided that I'm going to report or go up to anyone that gives me any unwanted attention in public or in the street. And the other day I got wolf whistled and I ended up reporting it to the shop that they were hanging outside of, to the guy that they were talking to, because they looked like really matey and chummy and it was the other week and I walked past walked past my fishmongers who I fucking love because they do sashimi at a banging rate and one of the guys like fucking wolf whistled and like I think back in the day I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Now I'm just getting fucked off with it because I'm like, Ugh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Like anyway, so I went back and spoke to the guy that owns it and was just like, hey, just to let you know, the guys you were chatting to, one of them wolf whistled me and I was really not okay with it, very uncomfortable with it. And he was like, oh, okay. He was like, oh, no, no, you know, like trying to like defend them or whatever because, you know, he's an idiot. And I ended up being like, like, do you have a daughter? Do you have a sister? You have a mum, right? Imagine if a man 
that she didn't know wolf whistled at one of your family members or someone you knew and it made them so uncomfortable how would you feel about that and he was like oh yeah i guess i see so yeah that was just my little moment of like i'm if this happens again i'm gonna try and fucking film an interaction like this because they just they just don't know what to do and i'm like I'm done. I'm done. I said fuck off to someone in the street. I am never rude to people in the street. Wow. Except this guy, as I was like clearly walking to the station, this guy was like, he was like young as well. He was like, where are you going, baby? And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> I walked past him. <sighs> so yeah, that was just my moment of frustration of just like, I'm not fucking taking it anymore. But of course, I'm not suggesting that everyone does this because going up to men, especially sexually aggressive men is scary and it could uh, like it it's unlikely to be dangerous it could be dangerous so really take that with a pinch of salt don't go up to everyone especially not drunk people it's not worth it and really take the time to think do you want to waste that energy on someone that day i did want to fucking waste that energy it wasn't a waste to me it felt really good but just just letting y'all know shall we get our dominatrix on yes i can't wait to speak to adrena yay Hello, Adrina. Hello. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. You're looking stunning. Thank you very much. <laughs> How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, all the better for seeing you. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get straight into it. For all the curious fuckers out there that might not know you, which is absolutely sac- sacrifice, that sacrilege, <laughs> um, please, please explain a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay, I am Adrina Angela. I am first and foremost a dominatrix, erotic performer, public speaker, and owner of Anana Studios, which is my play space in North London. Yeah, uh, where I professional posted <laughs> where I posted the tickle parties before. Yeah. My tickle parties. Yeah. Best <laughs> space ever, would highly recommend if you can hire it out. You've got to go for it. It's such a nice yeah. dungeon. I even Everyone think that I've welcome. been there before for potentially for a vice shoot. Oh, and now it's a bit of a slut, it turns out. It seems everyone's been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are so ex- excited to talk about dom- like being a dominatrix. I feel like it's one of those things that everyone's so curious about and always has questions. And this episode in particular is all about, you know, how to become a dominatrix if someone did want to do that. How, but firstly, how did you start dominating people? God, I feel like it's a long story. And the short answer is by accident, I think. <laughs> so I've been on the kink scene forever. So I think I've been on the kink scene about 17 years, not wanting to give away my age for my own mental health. <laughs> Started very early, <laughs> very early. Um, but was always just going like as a player for socializing for parties. Um, and then started modeling and performing on the scene. So before I got into domination, I was already uh, quite prolific on the kink scene. Uh, I used to be a chef. Oh, chefs are quite dummy. You know what? There are a lot of dominatrices who are previous chefs. That's that is interesting. unusual. Oh, I know at least three. Oh, wow. And for me, for me, the main thing was I spent my like whole existence being shouted at by angry men that's what chefing is particularly as a woman it's toxic men shouting at you and i think it's Mm. a really nice like escapism from that um but there was a time where it's obviously a very very stressful line of work 
very poorly paid and I was looking for other revenues and because I was already um, performing and modeling in the kink scene mm. um, I, I was invited to a foot party Yes, uh, yes Amma yes. will know all about this. Sorry, Reed. <laughs> we'll do that. Yeah, um, it's like, I, I always say the, the foot version of a strip club, mm-hmm. very much the same, but for feet. And it was wow. through doing that that I connected with my dominance. I think ah. um, there's a crossover between people who like feet and people who like submission, and they would ask for more. They'd ask if they could, you know, obviously licking your feet. Then they'd ask if I'd spank them, collar them. And it was that moment that sort of ignited my understanding of my own sexuality and my own dominance. Because obviously as a woman, you're trained culturally, socially to be submissive. No one gives you an access to dominance. And I discovered it through doing that. And I think because I already had a name on the kink scene, modeling and performing, it just like escalated. And yeah. overnight, I was so busy with requests for sessions that I had to choose between chefing and domin. And wow. I could either explore my sexuality all day for, for good money on my own terms, or I could be <laughs> shouted at by sweaty, angry men. Hmm. Obviously, hmm. Yeah. easy choice. <laughs> Dominance didn't look back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and so I think, <laughs> I think within two years of starting to dom professionally and full-time, because I spent a while... Um, kind of training and learning before I did that, I opened a Nana and it just, the rest is history. Yeah, it took off. Amazing. Yeah. When I look back and I think that I'd only had the, you know, been doing it professionally for two years before I opened a full-time space, it, yeah, it makes my blood run cold, but it's worked out. Yeah. Is it just being a dominatrix that you do? Do you call yourself a, a mistress for a reason or do you have like different sex work that you fall into? That's a really good question. I would expect nothing less from you. But yeah, so when I started, I started by saying either dominant woman or mistress. And the reasons for that is I think dominatrix is a, a title you earn. You can't just start doming and call yourself dominatrix because to a degree it's like misleading you need to have a certain level of experience to do that and identified more as a mistress because a mistress is more of a kind of the lifestyle thing and so I could be new to it but identify as a dominant woman who um, engaged with power exchange with men and I was a mistress Um, and so but now after a few years it took me a few years I did use dominatrix I think I identify more with mistress because of the um, kind of the associations around the word dominatrix. There is culturally a lot of assumptions that it's a woman in leather or latex with a whip who is scowling at men, calling music, and that is not <laughs> yeah. in any way how I identify it. I identify as dominant women, and mistress works for me because mistress has more kind of personal and sensual connotations, at least to me. So I kind of jump between the two, but I think I identify more as a mistress, yeah. In terms of sex work, I think sex work is a broad term and very often people who aren't familiar with sex work fall into a trope of assuming sex work is penetration. I think we all know it's so much more than that. You can do be just a foot model. You can just sell photos of your feet and you're a sex worker. You could potentially be a sexual therapist and you're a sex worker. You do not have to touch, engage with, or be penetrated by men to be a sex worker. Um, I've done lots of different... I've done webcamming, um, a little bit of escorting back in the day, Domination, foot parties, selling photos online, OnlyFans. So I've done a lot. 
but these days for the most part it's domination yeah where you started in the in the foot meet how did it how did you start kind of talking to the people that you were working with I think I was bringing this up mainly because when I try and get dominant in the bedroom my voice gets stuck inside my body and it's like okay how do you get over thinking the dominant thoughts to actually verbalizing them. I literally give talks on this. So I Ah. do workshops and talks on female empowerment. And for me, that's scopes from how you engage in actual play to like how you identify as dominant. And I've based and designed my talks around talking to so many women and they'd come to me and they'd be like, oh, my, either my, my partner wants me to be dominant, but I'm terrified, or I feel dominant, but I don't know how to do it in the bedroom. And it's, I think, the performative element that puts people off and makes it difficult for them. So people will see, where if their partner suddenly says to them, oh, I want you to be dominant, there's so much pressure in that. People think like, oh, I have to have a scene. I have to do this, this, this in every order. I have to wear this. I have to perform in this sort of way. And so for me, it's trying to explain people to get outside of that and to just embrace or find ways to identify to their kind of dominant female identity. And that's small steps that you can take um and it's about having the confidence to just do what's right for you um it's seeing how dominance is different for everyone yeah so one person might really get off on kicking someone in the balls or calling them a loser someone else must love anal play some people might just get the thrill of choosing what happens in the bedroom with their partner whether it's getting on top if their partner's going down on them whether they want to go down on their partner if they're making those choices that's a form of them like sexual expression and therefore female dominance so i focus very much on self-identification i focus very much on how you identify as a dominant, because I think we are the victims of a lot of kind of cliches of what we're told domination should be. And I know that I struggled with it for the first few years of me being a dominatrix. um, I'd have people saying, oh, you're too nice. You're really quiet. Like I loved my submissives. I did very gentle, soft, erotic play. And that was what felt, I did it because that was what was natural to me. But, I was so like subjected to the idea of what a dominatrix was and, um, you know, how you're meant to act and how you're meant to treat men that I always thought I was doing something wrong. And it took me years to accept that true, like, female power is doing what's right for you and what feels good for you. And so now I focus my play and my identity around just being authentic to my identity as a dominatrix. Um, so with the workshops, it's, yeah, again, about the small things that you can do that make you feel powerful in a scene. It's yeah. about how, if you're nervous, you can construct a scene so it doesn't feel formulaic, you know, not conform to a time frame to certain things where to, but small things that you can do to make you relax and feel comfortable within a scene. Mm. Um, but I think that's super common is people get so wound up in the idea of like the performative elements of it. Um, that they kind of lose focus of what it should be, which is about the pleasure of your partner, but first and foremost, the pleasure of you. Because for the majority of people, even dominant people, your pleasure comes from the other person's pleasure. Yeah. You you at least have to also enjoy what you're doing for your work like that's it instead of pretending to put on this um this like role playing what you think 
uh, a dominatrix or a mistress should be, it's got to be natural. So you're enjoying it as well and gaining pleasure from then enjoying it. Otherwise, you end up resenting the job. Yeah. And most people will see straight through that. Yes. And that's why in professional circumstances, I only offer what I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Partially for me and my well-being and partially for them. It's unfair on them. It's inauthentic if they want something and I'm like, oh, this is gross. Like, I'm never going to... Yeah, right? Yeah. They, they're not... I mean, I know we joke that men can sometimes be a bit stupid, but generally they're not that stupid. They can tell if you're not into it. And so it's, it's just not fair on them, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah. And even, yeah, yeah in the personal context... When going slightly off topic, when people say, oh, are men cheating by coming to see you? I don't think that they are because I think someone might be in a loving relationship with a very healthy sex life. Mm. But if they want, for example, to be in a nappy and barking like a dog, they might love their wife and their wife loves them Mm -hmm. and they have a good sexual relationship, but they do not want their wife to see that. Yeah. So we're just offering, yeah, that space for them to do something that they do not want someone that they love and respect to have to endure. And if their partner doesn't like it, they shouldn't be forced to do it. Like the partner shouldn't be forced to be dominant because that's what you're into. Yeah, that's so true. Because I think we get we get questions in quite often about, um, you know, my partner has this kink and I'm really not into it. Like, what what do we do? Is the, like, uh, like, how do I approach this in a conversation? And I think that's kind of it, isn't it? Like, you don't have to yeah, do it in your relationship, but there are other people out there that can do, do that and help him kind of fulfill that need and desire that it, or them or I was gonna she, say or them yeah. that that would be me that would be me in like my my loving relationship where I'm like but I just need to be like tickled to like I yeah. cry like I that that's what I need it's it's not something that I even necessarily want it's a need I yes. love that for you <laughs> <laughs> no I get I get asked this so much because mm. I sometimes do Q&A's about kink where I'm, I'll either do a specific topic or I'll just ask people what they need to know and it's also quite hilarious because I'll get women being like, how do I tell my partner I just desperately want to try pegging? And I get all the men yeah. being like, I don't know how to tell my girlfriend I want to be pegged. I'm like, <laughs> guys, communicate. But yeah, it's, it's, you can't force your partner to do it. And I know some people wouldn't necessarily want their partner to go elsewhere, but I think the basis is just at least listening to them, accepting what they like, allowing them to have that space for that. And then where you go from there is maybe the the grey area. (laughs) To put things on hold, we really want to ask you your fuck story. Um, And then I want to ask you what would be the step-by-step process of how to get into being a dominatrix or a mistress or just dominating in general. Um, So did you prepare us a a best fuck, a worst fuck? Which one did you choose? Yeah, so I was quite like nervous when I first saw it because I'm used to talk about <laughs> sex and never my own sex life oh, also shit. I was saying my entire sexual history flashed before my eyes <laughs> and it was overwhelming yes. <laughs> yes. I was just like oh Jesus Christ girl no. so the more boring answer was about the first time outside of sessions or work early on that a man literally got on his knees and opened his mouth so I could spit in his mouth and how much that like triggered who I suddenly realised I was mm. as a dominant wow. woman when it wasn't forced or paid for and how that changed my sexual identity. Yeah. I have a million stories in terms of, you know, fucking public, being pissed inside of, like, 
Wow. Loads of those ones. So it kind of depends mm-hmm. on. And yeah, I guess the, the more what the fuck one would probably be either the pegging at the box or again, like I said, being pissed inside of is something I suddenly really discovered I was really into. Yeah. So, so like, is that with like a, like a speculum? Like, uh, no, that's it up? literally just someone fucking you and whilst fucking and this is a skill I think I was gonna say but how yeah, fucking, fucking hard on yeah what? right <laughs> but it like it literally it slams on your like g-spot and it's yeah oh my god I'm kind of into I it I recommend it for everyone yeah I want to yeah. try <laughs> wait but what does that do to your vaginal pH balance I mean we have pissed oh yeah it's probably not time. great but I have so because I have a lot of threesomes I have these like gels which yes you, you yeah. know yeah, clean stuff yeah. Out. that and a little bit of douching. So the story is, um, obviously, I do water sports in my work. I do it. If we go slightly off topic again, I have a bit of a fetish, and it's not even like hugely sexual. It's just something I'm really into. I love to piss myself in public. Yeah, wow. I just love it, and yeah. I don't know if it's like a social anarchy thing or like the riskiness of, but I will. I love to piss myself in public whenever I can. So I remember once being in like a, an outdoor restaurant and standing next to someone whilst they were paying the bill in the restaurant and just pissing myself. Oh my god! That's and amazing. I was like in a jumpsuit, wow. like a light jumpsuit. So feeling the jumpsuit stick to your body and run down onto this person's leg while they're paying the bill. Oh my! Another god. time, I used to live on a very busy North London street and walking home in a floor length silk dress. Florence's face is like stuck. <laughs> Um, and it, yeah, it was like a dark green silk. And so from the floor up to about my waist, that silk going like a darker, darker, darker green. Wow. Yeah. Like the trail behind me. And just for some reason that really turned me on. Yeah, it's so taboo. It's like you've trained your body all your life not to piss unless yeah. it's over a toilet. And then to release like that in public. And, and, and to do it sometimes, yeah, if you're just like having a conversation with someone and making eye contact, but knowing that you're pissing at the same time wow what's the actual logistics of this because though because like obviously afterwards you'll have like wet oh i have to walk home with a soaking wet jumpsuit wrapped around my body or a dress you know this silk dress that is dark but that's part of the fun i think yeah and what do people do when they see that that's happened it's london isn't it like people look but they don't say anything (laughs) i've done it abroad and again yeah people don't say anything do they yeah (laughs) i suppose that well what were they gonna say be like are you are you okay sorry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can i can i get you a paper towel you know? <laughs> that's amazing um sorry anyway, yeah, yeah, that was the, the prelude yeah. to how i've never been on a personal level into piss that much i i piss on people and i enjoy that i think because of the power dynamic of pissing on someone mm. yeah like or pissing on someone's mouth or into something they're gonna eat that sort of thing i've always done yeah but me being pissed on anything has never been a thing for me until this story is something I ended up being very much into. And it was, I was having sex and we had previously explored piss play a lot, whether it was either in their mouth or on me or on them. And like I said, never been hugely aroused by it until they, whilst fucking me, pissed inside me. Yeah, wow, wow. that's insane. Yeah, and I've obviously I've talked about it a lot, and I haven't heard any other people who explore this, but I recommend it to all of you <laughs> because, <laughs> firstly, just the uh, the weirdness of it. We'll say you feel this, you feel the piss like shooting and hitting the you know 
the wow. back of the revolver, like mm. hitting your G spot, and you feel it pounding. And then when they come out, it's like squirting because it just gushes out of you, yeah, and all over the floor. And <laughs> that's and that incredible. Was just really sexually stuck with me. Yeah, There's, yeah. So piss play has always been fascinating. The very first job I did in the porn industry was working for this like really niche um, extreme BDSM channel and I feel like it almost like gave me a kink or gave me a fetish because they were doing bladder play where they were using a catheter in her urethra filling her bladder up to the point of bursting making her come over and over again while she's tied up and also asking me if I wanted to piss in a glass and have that be put into her bladder and I was like oh maybe another time but watching this was just the most incredible taboo like fucked up thing of like playing god with a body and it's almost along the same lines it's like nobody should ever piss inside um a vagina but like doing it is just so fucked up and so hot exactly and it is sometimes you get just get off on how fucked up something is because I get that a lot and sometimes you develop a kink through seeing it happen but Mm -hmm. I get that so yesterday I did a session and I was making he was into like obviously extreme degradation I was making Mm -hmm. him deep throat a dildo but so much that he was not like gagging but full vomited yeah all over the floor and then I made him drink it all (gasps) which even to watch I was like oh oh, yeah you have to like hold it in right but and then (laughs) when he obviously gagged the second time and vomited all his vomit up the second time made him scoop it all out in his hand and wank with it (laughs) not not a personal yeah no but I was just like I actually genuinely would masturbate over that like it was so Wow. Just hot being like, someone has done this for me. Yeah, like the, so con- the level of control. Wow. And the, did he get off on it? Could he come? Yeah. And then I obviously Jeez. made him eat that too. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> the vomit. Obviously. Yeah, barking. So, yeah, sometimes it's the, the taboo that's exciting, I think. I guess the... my thoughts immediately with the piss stuff is going to, is this medically safe? Because I feel like something about piss in your body could poison you like going into your bloodstream and I, I don't know it's a, yeah I mean it's a valid question and I always uh on the side of safety um things in sessions I wouldn't I, I do some like piss spray but for example I would never do I mean I would do scat anyway but scat for me is a hard limit in terms of safety I don't do it because I'm not into it but also I don't do it because there's no there is absolutely no way in which it is safe Mm -hmm. Right. I think we do things in our personal sex lives that are less safe than things we do professionally. For sure. Um, So yeah, with that one, probably not. It was a obviously a a partner of mine. Yeah. But so safe in that way. But yeah, this is what rounds us around to the to the douching. Yeah. I I do want to say though before we go into that, I have fantasized about someone pissing inside me. Like that's (gasps) you know, if there's someone you trust, I highly recommend. I'm so proud. I just I don't highly know if recommend I could it. Actually, do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, there's that slight, like, build-up, like, almost edging, because you don't know if they can, because it's actually, it's a real talent to be able to be hard. And Penetrating piss. someone and piss. So you're there, like, are you going to do it? Are yeah. you going to do it? you can do it? And then you feel that first squirt I'm hit you. I'm fascinated. The, the rush yeah. you get from that. I mean, it so sounds I do fucking amazing, but I, my pH Ooh. balance is so whack that I'm yeah. like... <laughs> Yeah. Nah. Yeah. I mean, so, come on, so man. I recommend, like, clean, clean fingers um, can fuck me up. What the hell's, like, piss yeah. gonna do? Like- so I, I recommend, um, firstly, if you're gonna plan this, they drink a lot of water mm-hmm. in advance. Lots mm-hmm. and lots of water, no alcohol. Then saline solution in a douche immediately afterwards is a good tip. And then following that, I use these. Whenever I have a threesome, I get these, like, suppositories, like vaginal suppositories. Um... And when I'm mixing vaginas, um, I always like to use those because of people's different pH levels. And they, I find, really soothing and comforting. So if you are going to engage in edge play, my tips would be, yeah, saline solution, douching, lots of water, and suppositories. This episode is sponsored by Beducated. We're so excited to be back with Beducated talking all about their online courses. Beducated has an awesome course all about dirty talk. And that is something that I have personally really wanted to get better at in the bedroom. And after doing the course, I actually tried this out in a sexual situation last week (laughs) on my birthday. The course really helped me gain the confidence to actually voice the things because when with Dirty Talk, I'm always thinking them up in my head, Mm -hmm. but actually Mm -hmm. having the words come out of my mouth, I've always been really ashamed of. So I'm happy to say that the course worked its wonders for me. I had something similar. So I've been learning about squirting. It's something that I really wanted to be able to do with another person. And I nearly squirted the other week. Nearly squirted. I could feel it. I was so close. And I honestly think that is to do with the squirting course. I've still got another section to complete in the course. So I'm hoping that once that's completed, then I'll be able to just let go, be free and become the squirting goddess that I've always wanted to be. I'm so excited to hear how the squirting works for you, Reed. And I personally am really excited to do more courses so that I can feel even more confident in the bedroom because even me, I struggle with that sometimes. Get access to 100 plus online courses from the world's top experts like Tantric Date Night, Strap On Play and Lap Dance Foundations. Wow, I need the Strap On Play one. Stat. <laughs> Try all Beducated courses one day for free. You won't be charged for the first 24 hours and you can cancel it at any time. There's no risk with the 14-day money-back guarantee. Invest in your love life and join Beducated now from just $10 per month. So curious fuckers, we have bagged you 40% off their yearly pass with the code COMECURIOUS. C-O-M-E-C-U-R. I-O-U-S. We all need to experiment with piss play at some point, guys. Like, yes. <laughs> I feel like we've all Find the right way during this session. Like, wow. Yeah. Is anyone listening to this? Like, piss ain't that fucking weird. Yeah. It's really not. It's really... It's just another yeah. bodily fluid. But also, that's probably the reason why we like it is because it is taboo. Is because it's oh, like, yeah. no 100%. sex and pee. No. I fucking love piss. I mean, fluids I mean, I and, piss, yeah, but. wetness and... Because I found it's never something that, like, really was super erotic for me. Mm. 
For me, when I piss on someone else, it's the power exchange that yeah. I've been into. And when I pissed on myself, it's like the the thrill of being outside of social norms. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. You identify with different aspects of your sexuality, don't P- you? Piss yeah. for me is definitely part of my tickle fetish. Like being tickled <gasps> till you piss yourself is like the ultimate, the ultimate go goal. I love love the sound of that yeah yeah, yeah. ultimate that's fetish fucking cool. have you, have you yeah. done I'm that yet just talking about it no i haven't <gasps> i haven't oh my god no one's because also i think I, sh- I no well like they have like when i was Do younger you but that's where the fetish drink, was born, i mean right? is it cheating for you to drink lots and lots of water and have maybe no your, i would love that lowest. i missed the opportunity when i was with my ex they um a couple of friends that i knew in the tickle community put on a tickle piss play party where wow. everyone overdrank and like tied each other up and, t- and I was I like I mean if it's not inappropriate to suggest I'd really love to explore that so. <gasps> yes Katrina let's fucking go okay OnlyFans content let- I love yeah I love the sound of that. yeah I don't oh think God, it would be cheating it, at all but I think I feel like it would still shut things off like I, I still feel like I would fight against it a lot. I like. I don't know if I could release. You know, like I've trained my body to not do that. So, oh, wow. Yeah, we'll see. Because I think part of the process of drinking lots of water is part of the eroticism. It's like yes. you make, putting your body under strain and into extreme situations. Okay, yeah. So it's actually really hard. I'm yeah. super into forced drinking. Like forced, yes. forced drinking and asking permission to go to the toilet and like not being allowed. Like yes. the whole yes. thing is so fucking hot. Yeah. And then like, yeah, and then trying to humiliate me through tickling and pissing. Okay, oh. it's a date. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to have to open the door, guys. No lie. History in the making here. <laughs> We're getting so hot about this. Oh, love it. Lord have mercy. Who you know, we were, saying we, weren't, we were saying we weren't horny earlier. Well, I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. okay well let's talk about getting into being a dominatrix so if someone came up to you and asked you okay i have been dreaming about being a mistress or a dominatrix or being dominant with a partner um what are the first steps right so um Firstly, I think it's important to identify whether you want to be lifestyle or professional. Because obviously, a lot of people want to be dominant in their lives and their relationships sexually, but it doesn't have to be their job. And that's very different for people who want to do it professionally. But they still obviously encounter the same issues and it's still um, a huge stumbling block for people. When And I get approached, obviously, a lot from women asking about getting into domination. And the first thing is how I decide whether or not I will give them a lot or a little of my time is how much they seem to have really thought about it. So, you know, you get some people who'll be like, oh, I want a dom, it looks fun. And then you get other people who are like, this is who I am. This is my background. This is why I've approached this. This is what is a driving force for me. I am so excited and aroused by this. I love the idea of learning about myself in this way. The first thing I would always say is it's not easy. (laughs) It's not for everyone. I think it really needs to come with a trigger warning. It's, I think, because of social media, it looks very glamorous. It looks like it's easy money. It looks like it's wearing really great clothes and traveling the world. And really, it's intense work. It's emotionally draining. It's, if you're really engaged with it, it's quite, can be 
yeah, hard work and scouring, and it takes up a huge amount of your time and emotional energy. So I think you really need to decide whether you're actually prepared for that or whether you offer a sort of service where you do not engage in that way. Um, I think you need to think about your prospective clients and whether if you're not engaged in that way, you're going to be doing harm to them or whether you can engage in them in a way that is not going to damage them, i.e. you can limit your energy without taking too much of theirs. Uh, in terms of first steps, the problem I think with domination in England, and I'm not going to get into sex work laws because first start, you know mm. all about that. <laughs> Secondly, we'd be talking about it for days if we went down that route. Yep. Yeah. But whilst um, it's legal... Obviously, we don't have houses. That's completely illegal. There are a few mistress classes, but not a lot going on. And it's a really very lonely and insular journey. Mm -hmm. Um, More than anything else, I would say education is the most important thing. Before you even think about whether this is something you're going to do, educate yourself as much as you can. Uh, Read books, read... um, online information, explore privately, um, explore in your own personal life, attend fetish clubs, meet like-minded people, arm yourself as much as you can and learn about your own sexuality before you start digging around in other people's. Um, Big point. So, yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> don't jump in too fast. There's no rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's something you can do at any point. Um, and ask questions ask sensible questions there's a difference between approaching someone being like hey how much should i get paid hey how do i have a session yeah hey what is what is dominance do your own research but then ask considered questions and ask questions i will always be open to answering anybody's questions because realistically it's your safety and the safety of your clients at stake if you don't um help other- and also women sport women plus, etc. anyone who needs that support. Like I said, I came from a chef background, and I think that set me up well, firstly, in terms of discipline, but more than anything else, hygiene. Hygiene is one of the most important things you could know about as a professional dom, and you cannot skimp on your education on that. Um, learning about the kind of transmittance of bacteria, etc., about double gloving, about not just cleaning your hands when you touch someone else, but cleaning the equipment you use to clean your hands with. Um, yeah, people don't think about this. I don't think I've ever. You don't. Heard you don't. There's no reason about. why you you would. Um, if you're picking something up to clean your surfaces with, well done. You've cleaned your surface, but you've now got your bacteria hands on that clean equipment. So then you have to clean that down. And honestly, if you don't have a, a training in it, i.e., like chefing, there's no reason you'd think of it. So yeah. the more you can arm yourself with education, the better. Um, additionally, I think the best tool you could possibly have as a dominatrix professional otherwise is empathy. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you can do with your hands, what you can do with your body. You need to be able to get inside someone else's head, understand what they need and how they need it delivered. Yeah. Um, maybe that's something you can learn, but also maybe it's the empaths, I think, that tend to do better in the field. This information is also really helpful for like, you know, stereotypical male doms. Um, I always think that if a if a if a male dominant says I I'm only dominant I will never be submissive, then they are missing a huge trick about understanding yeah the empathy part, understanding what it feels like to be in that position and how it feels to be dominated, and 
having that switch just plays like it, it will make you a better dom it will make you a better mistress such a valid point and i think you know there's a lot of people who look down on people that switch mm-hmm. or judge people for being submissive but i always say switches make the best doms because you understand what the other person's going through you understand their headspace you've experienced for example subspace it's like me and anal is doing anal makes me be like oh my god okay you need to be gentle there you need to move in slow you need to do xyz and yeah it's the, the same with submission and whilst unfortunately i think i started off i think because as women we are culturally taught or told that we're submissive even if we're not um we're trained through our whole lives to be submissive in our workspaces in the way that we talk in the way that we act um i think a lot of people can identify as submissive because maybe they just don't know any different And so for me, that meant that when I started out, when I was a teenager, I thought I was submissive because I didn't know any different. And it wasn't until I discovered my dominant side that I realized there was something else. Um, but it also means that, so I feel like I've, I've had that kind of experience, but it also means that now I can be on a more neutral playing field. I can be more submissive with women. I unfortunately can't be submissive with men just because I think the, psychological scarring I've had from an upbringing of either being sexually assaulted, Mm -hmm. power dynamics, abused, etc. I just, it's almost like an allergic reaction to me now. Yeah. Just cannot. Yeah, I feel that. I get the same if like, yeah, if a a guy says, Oh, it just makes me look, If a guy says bitch or slut now, I'm literally like, Yeah, my my skin sounds like that. Some people like it. Yeah, I feel like I need to have the empathy to understand or identify with other like how that feels yeah also saying bit bitch and slut is okay when it's like confirmed and consented to yeah and when someone gets off on that but not yeah. everyone gets off on it no no definitely not yeah. yeah i think i think it like dominant men always kind of assume that that's part of being dominant and mm, like they've learned the it from humiliation porn. yeah it's yeah, the, it's well, the porn thing yeah i don't want to show shade on show that throw shade on dominant men but unfortunately they some of them bring up themselves and it's you know the, the majority that like ruin it for the rest of them but there's so many bad behaviors and yeah. weak behaviors and they're just doing wrong and i find a lot of you're not be able to see the air quotes, I think, on this podcast. Um, <laughs> dominance in men. It's just actually insecurity in men. Mm-hmm. Um, and they yeah. feel they need to act dominant. And the way that they kind of carry that through is actually just... Um, toxic doms are Toxic. Yeah. yeah. Although I'm just trying yeah. to prove themselves. I've been to- a toxic dom before when I was first starting out doing dominatrix. When you were first well. starting out, yeah. Yeah, when I was first so, starting out and mm. learning and not understanding. And I remember one client, he me- messaged me like months afterwards, just like, I really loved our session, but I was really hurt by the lack of aftercare that I got and received. And of course, in my brain, I was like, but we had an hour long booking and we didn't have time for aftercare. We didn't speak about aftercare. And of course, at the time, I was frustrated at myself for not realizing that I didn't give them the right aftercare. I didn't make time for that aftercare, even though he he didn't say he wanted it. I think, well, that's it. Yeah. And I think you can easily see both sides because I think I can, I'm sure I can still be guilty of that if I have like a time frame and it's busy and they're like, okay, thank you. And they leave. I maybe don't necessarily be like, hey, is there anything? And you know, I'll always talk to them. I'll give them a shout. I'll give them a hug. I'll have a conversation with the end, but you don't know how much they need. 
And partially I'm going to do that and partially the lack of communication. Like you need someone to be able to say, actually, I just want this from you I now. need more. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's not just on you, you know, like, yes, you can have responsibility there. And most of the time, someone who is dominant has more responsibility because they aren't in that subspace and they have been doing oh, horrible things. Yeah, you do. Or... You are absolutely have responsibility. You are also the one that inflicts that. And Pain, that's why I love, yeah. I had a young, quite young, but incredibly emotionally intelligent um, client come to me and we did the session and afterwards they text me and they're like oh is it okay to text you and I was like of course yes love that and they were like I'm just I feel really depressed and I keep crying and I'm shaking and I was like have you heard of subspace and they were like no and I was like okay what you're feeling is completely normal it's a physiological response to these like huge highs and I was like I'm just gonna obviously I'm not there but I'm just gonna talk to you I'm going to text oh, you yeah. and we're just going to chat for the next two hours like while you and then checking in with them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's so easy, particularly if it's someone you don't know, it's a client. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard to know where the boundaries are. Yeah, it's how? really know how to, how much you need to offer them. So I think we're probably all guilty of that. Yeah. Same point. with yeah. same with dominance. Um, people who are dom, especially if they're they can feel feelings of like guilt and regret afterwards. They need aftercare too. They need I to get be told dom they're not bad people. Yes, dom No drop. one talks about that. Yeah. I come home and I'll finish it. It'll be 10 p.m. and I'll be sat on the sofa and I'm like, I'll just sit on the sofa and I'll stare at the wall and I can be there for two hours. Mm. Wow. And sometimes I'll be like shaking and sometimes I feel super euphoric. Yeah. Sometimes I, I'll feel super depressed. Sometimes mm. I'll just be like full of adrenaline and no one talks about dumb job but it's just as I have every session I have I have a massive adrenaline rush mm-hmm. and what goes up must come down yeah. yeah what would you recommend um for aftercare for both submissive and dominant peeps um so with everything with absolutely everything I would say the the, the key is communication to be able to communicate with the person that you're with. Ideally, and, and that's beginning, middle and end. Communicate in advance to say, I might need aftercare. Do we have 20 minutes to sit and talk? Or this is what I need, blah, blah, blah. This is what I'm worried about. At the moment, in that time to be like, I could do with a hug or I feel X, Y, Z. Uh, and if you can't do that to afterwards, to both of you to allow yourself the space slash the position and consent to be like, I can reach out to you and contact you. Because I think it's all part of the same communication. If you have played with someone, you that person deserves at least to be able to communicate with you afterwards. So I would say more than anything, um, communication is absolutely paramount. And to the, the awareness, the awareness that this could happen to you, look into subdrop, research it, look out for the signs, look out for the symptoms and have a self-care routine. Because maybe your dom isn't there at that moment. Have a self-care routine. Ensure you've booked the evening out. For the love of God, don't go to work. Don't go out with friends. Make sure that you're at home. You can maybe like have a cup of tea or a glass of wine or watch a film or just do something nice to yourself and prepare that space to look after yourself. You might not think you need it, but you never know when it might suddenly yeah. just happen to you. Mm-hmm. That sounds like yeah. the same for if you are the dom as well. It feels like the mm-hmm. self-care routine would be so yes. fundamental <laughs> for that as well. Yes, yeah. And that's why if I've had a session in the evening and I often get like real rushes of euphoria and adrenaline in a session. If I get home at 11 p.m. and I don't want to go to bed late, I never want to go to bed late. <laughs> um, I know this. I cannot get ready for bed and go to bed. I have to spend an hour reading a book, having a glass of wine, watching a film, talking to a friend, something where I can just wind down. Yeah. 
Because you, you need that. I, I need that time mm. to look out for those signs. Yeah. We did also really want to talk about financial domination because I think that's a bit of like... Mm. maybe it's seen as kind of like an easy way to earn some money and to be a dominatrix without having to get sexually involved with other human beings um what are your thoughts on the ethics around it and how do people approach it in a healthy way it's a really interesting question it's something that i'm very interested in and um yeah really valuable and i think you're right um, people see it online and they, it looks so attractive. People are like, what? So wait, you just ask them for money and they give it to you? Yeah. You just abuse someone <laughs> <What>? and uh, <laughs> they'll send you money. Um, I am fundamentally pro financial domination. I understand. And it's through talking through my male friends who do it, the absolute power exchange of handing over your cash. The idea mm-hmm. of doing something you don't want to do is the ultimate submission. And the power exchange of doing that for a woman, I get it. However, it can be done well, it can be done wrong. And there are people like you know who do it and they do it absolutely excellently. They nail it. Social media, particularly Twitter, I think has been very detrimental for things like Flindom because people see it. They do then like lose a pay me sub and they're doing their hands up and they got the L the wrong way round and they're just calling someone a pig. And I just find, you know, you see it sometimes and I find it firstly embarrassing and a bit scary because the amount of horror stories I've heard from people who um, have been ripped off through engaging with it when they're horny and then regretting it when it's someone who hasn't provided aftercare known what they're doing understood it and the shame that comes from that is unreal like not being able to talk to anyone about it because you just and it's like gambling money yeah it's something. like gambling, you're falling into yeah. spirals you can't talk to anyone about it and you can't get out of mm-hmm. for me i'll only engage in financial domination if i know the person's financial and emotional well-being mm-hmm. and yeah that might kill the fantasy for them where they think that I'm someone who's going to take everything they've got yeah. but there's a difference between fantasy and reality and as a professional I have to be aware of that yes. difference yeah. and so yeah. I can play into the fantasy I can do all the talk of the fantasy and I will take their money but I have to know that they have the money they don't have like say children to support that they're so, like psychologically secure and it does I guess to a degree it worries me that the people who don't are doing it without knowing it but at the same time I've watched it all play out Mm -hmm. and a lot of the young people who are getting into it because they think it's hot and they're being like hey piggy give me your money because I'm better than you no one's actually sending them their money yeah these people are making the people who are making thousands out of this are the people who know what they're doing yeah yeah it's kind of like OnlyFans you know the clue is in the name if you have fans people will follow if you don't have fans, you don't have the fan base. It doesn't mm-hmm. work for you. And I think it's the same for financial domination. You can go online. You can say, hey, bitch, give me your money. But if you don't know what you're doing, people aren't giving you their money. Yeah. But yeah, it is. it breaks my heart when I do. And I do hear the stories of people who are mm. like hurt by that. And it's it's the same with, and I find this a lot. I have found this a lot with sex workers that I've known in the past who maybe don't necessarily respect respect the job that they're in and then that becomes like a disrespect for their clients it's this idea that um especially men especially if it's if it's women who maybe like fuck men hate men they're just there to pay the bills and they take them they just the disrespect is unreal like i've seen it over and over again of 
sex workers treating these guys like shit and and earning money and the way they even talk about them is disgusting it's so hard to hear when it's they're just so like, hard gross. so it's hard like, to hear you need to respect your fucking clients like I, they are your clients i honestly don't know how you can do it if you don't love it like yeah. i think the second you don't enjoy it it gets dark first yes and also i have days where it's work of course i do mm-hmm. i have days where i didn't love it but ultimately i love what i do and i don't know how people do it when they don't and it's good it's the authenticity and i always i say on my website i say i don't hate men mm-hmm. i couldn't service men all day every day if i hated them yes you know i yeah. have to love them to want them to give that much of my time and energy and again it's like gambling when the fun stops stop it has to be authentic if it's not fun and enjoyable for both of you then you need to stop and step mm-hmm. back yeah 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 beautiful advice yeah I mean, I love this question, but I think you've already answered it. Um, what's the best thing about your job? This sounds so wanky. And I know <laughs> when I say it sounds wanky, I'm fully aware of it. But for me, it's genuine and it's helping other people. Like people who have spent their entire lives feeling shame over who they are. The idea of not just accepting someone else's sexuality, but celebrating it, making them feel good in it. That that it's the sessions where I do that that I just get the hugest buzz and it's just making people feel okay in themselves is just the buzz that I get from that the adrenaline yeah the normalizing that like they're not yeah. a freak and this is and a, celebrating this is fun yeah. and beautiful and I yeah, want to and do I this. love it yeah, yeah I fucking love it and they're like you love this yeah oh, you little so freak good. I love you yeah, I love <laughs> this it's just why I'm doing this for the freaks oh. yeah <laughs> so cute Oh, okay. And next question. What is the most common request you have from clients? So the most common fetish is foot fetish. Unfortunately yes. for me. Unfortunately. I to, well, no, 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 no. Let me finish. So I, I love foot fetish. And I used mm. to, I, when I started, I just did foot fetish. Mm. I was just a foot model. Unfortunately for me, I now have a dungeon full of toys and tricks. And, and so people get distracted and I want all the other shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't remember the last time someone just like <laughs> licked my feet for now, which would be a dream. My oh, most common one, and this is fortunately is. for me because m- one of my favorite hobbies mm-hmm. slash kinks slash work activities is anal play. Hey. All forms of anal play. And I, yeah, I love it. Men love it. I always say there are two types of man. It's a man who's loves anal or hasn't tried it yet. <laughs> Third is in denial. So lots of men love anal um, Mm -hmm. and luckily I do too. So yeah, I would say anal is probably the most common one for me. Mm. And we're specifically talking about giving, giving anal to men. So like taking and and doing stuff rather than receiving. Yeah, within work. Yeah, within work, definitely. Amazing. This has honestly been such an incredible chat. Thank you so much for talking to us. I loved it. I loved it. It's been so good. I hope that the curious fuckers learnt something about doming. And I feel like it was a really it was a really good um message as well because I feel like you really spoke about the emotional side of it and like how you need to prepare yourself like in inwardly, like before you even consider doing this for work. And just as a side note, if people do have questions and people want to ask, um, I said, I think I was saying earlier, someone said today, oh, I know you won't answer my questions without a tribute. 
That is not true. I'm not going to take your money to educate women and make other people's lives safer. If you have questions, we all need to support each other and we all need to be safe. So if anyone does have any questions, I will try and make the time to do that. Yes. And um, on that note, where can they ask these questions? Where can they find you and your work apart from RIP, your Instagram RIP. account? Well, to be optimistic and not want to just die in a hole, hopefully, maybe by the time this goes to air, I'm back. If oh. I still exist, my Instagram got deleted today. Woo. It was Adrena Angela official. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. We're praying. We're praying that it comes back. Thank you very much. Yes. My website, um, where there's a contact form is adrenaangela.com. Mm-hmm. And my Twitter is Anana LDN. I don't and know it, if that will be. Inanna spelled how? I N A N N A. And then LDN. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolute pleasure. I've been waiting to do this for years. (laughs) (laughs) So glad that we got you on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And uh, to everyone listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Of course, if you have, please share it to anyone. Share it on your socials. Take a screenshot, put it on our stories, tag us. And, you know, Adrena, when our account comes back. And of course, you can follow us at Come Curious on all platforms and follow our personal accounts Read Amber X and Florence Bark. Yeah, yeah. And leave us a rating and a review to let us know how you mu- how much you love us. Yeah, that's what you should do. <laughs> Beautiful. Follow our Patreon and, you know, follow all of our OnlyFans accounts. Yay! Yeah, yeah. We love paying for sexy things. We love you all so much. Have the best day. See, See you next Thursday. See you next Thursday. Bye. Bye. Mwah.